The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders on the planet. On today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Robert Zirafar, who is the CEO of InsureTech Business Transverse Insurance Group. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks. Great to be here. It's great to have you join us today, Robert. I know we've spoken several times before and I always thought you'd be a, a great guest for the show. Robert, if I can start off by just giving the listeners a little bit of an insight to your background. I know your position at COO at Transverse is a fairly recent position. Could we start off by just talking a little bit about your background, your 14 years prior to that at AIG, which culminated in you being the head of global general insurance controls and then the COO at AIG Lexington. If you wouldn't mind by starting off by just sharing a bit about your time at AIG there. Sure, absolutely. Well, prior to AIG, I spent a few years consulting across many industries and had a chance to uh, do some consulting work for insurance or within insurance. I really was amazed by the amount of opportunity uh, that seemed to be there. Uh, insurance, as everybody knows, uh, seems hundreds-year-old business has changed very little over the years. But at the time uh, when I joined AIG back in 2006, there were still a, a lot of opportunities that, uh, as an organization, we just weren't taking advantage of. So joining their management consulting organization and then ultimately having many responsibilities across strategic programs at the corporate level. And then subsequently leading operations, general insurance controls. And then lastly, as the head of operations for Lexington Insurance, I had a great exposure to many different lines of businesses and then many different functions and facets of the insurance industry as a whole. And how have you found the transition from being at a, a global giant like AIG moving into a, an insure tech company? Yeah, so it's it's been it's been interesting to say the least. I think when you are part of any large multinational organization, uh, you know one of the benefits is that you have really structured processes and supporting teams, and you can really hyper-focus on your area of expertise. One of the challenges I was looking forward to after leaving AIG was to broaden my skill set and have a much more expansive view on how to run an organization. And coming to an organization like Transverse, which is emerging and looking to build out our space in this market um, really afforded me that chance to learn more about how reinsurance works and all the pieces you need to put together behind the scenes to make an insurance or uh, to make a product viable in the market with the partners that you select to work with. It's been, it's been a great two months of learning and so far so good. And if you could just give us a little bit more of a background into Transverse and the work that you do there, but also the, the products and the services that you offer there. Sure, absolutely. The Transverse Insurance Group started back in 2018 and is serving as a property and casualty program carrier. We partner with reinsurers and program administrators to provide a broad range of property and casualty products for commercial and personal lines. Um, we can provide admitted and non-admitted solutions licensed across multiple states, over 70% of states. We add unique value through our ability to retain risk and become an active partner in all functional layers of that program cycle. We bring certain resources to bear from the experiences that we've brought in through our executive team and the staff making up Transverse today. 
so that we can participate in the end-to-end -end process and really help program administrators and reinsurers connect to provide that expertise in the market. Great. And what's your role there at Transverse? Sure. So I was brought on to Transverse this past June. Um, and my primary role as the head of operations is to ensure that we have the appropriate, consistent process and tools in place to ensure that our relationships with both our claims, underwriting, reinsurance partners work as effectively as they can. Yeah. Um, as we grow, we need to, it's imperative that we have some standardization about how we go to market so that we're not repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And we're learning from those and we're getting better and better at what we do. So my role is primarily to help us document and implement standardized processes so that we can scale and grow effectively with our partners. Great. So you're bringing some of your corporate experience down there in to help it really grow and grow quickly. Yes. Yes. I mean, there's certainly a lot of things that you realize once you leave a large organization that you sometimes take for granted. Everything from you know, how do, when you have a new person onboarding, how do you get that person the necessary equipment? And when you're entering into a new reinsurance contract, how do you make sure that those contracts are vetted? And, you know, this opportunity really allows me to learn about that as we talked about earlier, and then subsequently structure some consistent process around how we go about doing that in a way that makes both us as well as our partners feel comfortable with moving towards the next step and entering into those agreements. And I imagine the, the timing of appointment, June 2020, obviously right in the middle of the COVID lockdown brings its own challenges as well into the equation. How have you, have you found, first of all, joining the company yourself, but then trying to implement some of those strategies in, in the COVID lockdown? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a unique time for everybody. I think one of the fortunate pieces about us here at Transverse is that we are somewhat of a smaller company. We have about 19, 20 full-time employees. So in terms of just moving our workforce remotely, uh, it's been a little bit of an easier lift for us than maybe some others. Yeah. And I think that was predicated on two things. Number one, uh, we did have the technology and the infrastructure in place to allow people to work from anywhere. Then second, uh, even before I came on board, one of the things I really appreciated was the corporate culture that they worked on for the many years that they were building the organization, I think. We have talked about as a leadership team, hiring people for fit. And I think bringing the right people in with the right attitudes has really helped us to persevere through this current situation. Great. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Robert, for giving our listeners a bit of an insight into, first of all, your background, but also the work you're doing <clears throat> there now. I think that's really important as we go through our questions. Before I go any further, though, as we are in the insurance coffee house today, what is your coffee of choice in the morning. So unfortunately, to, to maybe break the hearts of many coffee house listeners, I'm not a coffee drinker, <laughs> but maybe you could appreciate it coming from the UK. I am a tea drinker. So uh, my, my drink of choice in the morning would be, uh, you know, one or two steaming hot cups of, of hot tea to, uh, to really wake me up when, uh, when I'm getting going in the office. <laughs> I, I wouldn't ever have thought that from a, from a New Yorker like yourself would be. A, a That's right. A, a cup of English tea in the morning and uh, <laughs> there's something not quite right about that but um, I, I'm sure we can let you get away I, with that Robert. <laughs> I try to stay unique I try to stay unique Nick. The best of both worlds that's right. <laughs> that's right. Great so Robert if I can ask you what do you personally do on a daily basis that helps set you up for a successful day? 
Sure. Um, well, I think I, I, I try to stay as much on a routine during the work week as possible, both professionally and personally. Get up a bit earlier to clear out any late in the day or overnight emails and just re-review my calendar to understand where I might need to be and what I need to be doing for that day. In the morning, try to grab a few minutes, family. Yeah. Uh, one of the silver linings of this period of social distancing or quarantining has been that early morning time, not running out to catch a train or trying to beat traffic where we can just one by one talk to each other and find out what everyone is looking forward to doing that day. Um, you know, in the insurance that we're in, I'm sorry, in the industry that we're in, knowing that I'm prepared to throw myself into long days, it feels good to know that I have that morning time with my wife and kids so I can mm-hmm. get my head and focus on the day to come. Um, and then I think the other thing I try to do on a daily basis is just try to be present. Uh, checking in with people on a daily basis so that they know you're there to support them. Mm. I think many times they don't or shouldn't need it, but uh, to be there as a leader in case they do need something from you sends a really strong message that we're in this together, regardless of the situation that we're dealing with, be it COVID, be it a big business deal, or be it an operational issue that we're trying to solve together. Great. Do you, do you find that that initial time early in the day when you're clearing out those emails just gives you that little bit of extra breathing space where you can then check in with your staff, check in with your team, make sure they're okay. That that gives you that time it does. to do that. Yeah, sorry about that, Nick. Yes, I, I, I feel like at least for myself, it does. I am not necessarily a morning person. And so I felt like once I've started to shift my routine uh, to look at my mornings as a way to set up my day, mm. it's really allowed me to embrace that early time to really get myself prepared for what's to come throughout the rest of the morning and after. Fantastic. We understand that in order to be a successful insurance business leader, there's often adversity to overcome along the way. So as well as asking you what, what's been your biggest achievement to date, what has also been your largest setback and how do you go about overcoming that? That's a great question, Nick. I think um, I've always felt that you have to look for opportunity where others might not. Um, so my biggest achievement was actually born out of arguably my largest setback. At the start of my time at AIG, We had made significant strides in streamlining many aspects of the organization to take advantage of the economies of scale. Coming from consulting, it was a great way to learn about the organization as well as to bring my skills to bear to drive tangible value across many of the business lines. But shortly thereafter, uh, however, we experienced the financial crisis of 2008 and everything turned on its head. Projects were thrown into disarray and where we were trying to pull the organization together to work as one cohesive global operation, we were suddenly responsible for taking it apart. And that's before even factoring in the human element of being inside an organization and an economic situation that felt like the bottom was falling out and being concerned with family commitments, friends, and colleagues' well-being at the same time. But at that time, I had the opportunity to partner with some amazing teams and uh, some incredibly resilient people to execute a very rapid separation of corporate assets while trying to maintain an orderly process so that those asset values were not impaired, be it companies we might have been building we might have been disposing of. We had our feet to the fire and we banded together to produce an unbelievable result through some pretty difficult times. And I felt like it says a lot about the quality of who you are when the chips are down and how you respond. And through that process, I realized a lot about myself as well as the many amazing colleagues who lived through that period of time. You're obviously in the the eye of the storm due, during that financial crisis. And there can't be, there can't have been many darker or harder challenging times people with experience actually over over any insurance career, but particularly being at AIG at that time during the financial crisis. Do you, do you think that's now helped you to deal with any challenges that are set before you that you feel actually, you know, we can get through this and, and come out the other side? Absolutely. 
Uh, I mean, I think one of the things that probably helped if I think about my career at that point in time, potentially versus some others, was that I was very new to the industry and I was very new to AIG. And I was just naive about potentially what the expanded repercussions of what might have been happening. So I was able to really put my head down and block out a lot of the noise and focus on what we needed to collectively do as an organization. Partner up with people, you know, develop plans, hold ourselves accountable to the things that we were committing to. And I think as I look back on that and consider how that has made me more resilient, um, I'm able to share those examples with folks that I work with and I try to mentor to try to lead folks through, you know, up over the years since the financial crisis, whether it be something like we're experiencing now, uh, right? We're in a situation where we're also social distancing, we're all working um, uh, remotely, and it could be a, a very big challenge for folks to focus on their day-to-day role. Um, but the things that you can control, I think it's very important that you focus on those. I think it's very important that you partner up with people who you can trust and you really bring your whole self to what you do to deliver what you're expected to while also taking care of yourself. So that time really you know, showed me through the action of many others, as well as as I look back to what I was able to accomplish during that time, that it's truly possible to do that as opposed to just saying that. Yeah, fantastic. I think our listeners will find that extremely inspiring, particularly at these really difficult times and difficult market that we're working in at the moment. So thank you for that, Robert. So Robert, you mentioned it there. You were starting out as a as a consultant and then you, you join the insurance industry from there d- during the eye of the storm of the financial crisis so i was going to ask you what was your your eureka moment what was your light bulb moment after that when you realized you could be successful and have a successful career in insurance sure well when i joined aig back in 2006 you know one of the one of the things that you get to witness firsthand were the small changes that you could make and how big of an impact they could become longer term Going back many years, but something as basic as why we were printing reams and reams of documents, whether they be policy documents, customer marketing materials, across other industries, the digital wave had just started to roll out at that point, but insurance was still very paper intensive. Uh, We were investing in facilities and equipment to churn out documents, and we just stopped and asked the simple question, why? Uh, Given the big digital push, why invest millions of dollars there? There were professional partners sole focus was better suited to providing those services and career paths for people and organizations while our insurance teams could then focus on what we did best, which was assessing underwrite risk. And at that point, it was broached and discussed. Uh, and it was very well received. And in that moment, I saw the endless possibilities of transformation out there just by challenging the status quo. Uh, and I've been trying to go at it ever since. Do you think a lot of insurance companies are thinking about that now with their office facilities? They're asking, why do we need this? I certainly do. We're hearing and reading a lot of our COVID-19 situation and reconsidering or in many cases accelerating a lot of the digital transformation or technology enablement that they've been considering rolling out for many years uh, by by necessity. And I think what you're finding is that uh, not just insurance, but many businesses are more resilient than they might have thought earlier. You know, one of the biggest challenges, and I go back to um, up here in the northeast of the United States, we had uh, Superstorm Sandy, the potential hurricane hitting the East Coast. And a lot of organizations, especially financial institutions in lower Manhattan, uh, were out of their facilities for multiple months. Um, and at that point, many companies struggled with moving people quickly to alternate sites or were working from anywhere. 
But I think a lot of organizations really learned that lesson. And I think back then the challenge was the technology. And I think what COVID-19 proved, if anything, was that it's not necessarily the technology that's holding anybody back, uh, but it's more so the mindset and the acceptance of using these tools to manage a diverse workforce that can be distributed outside of certain specific offices. Yeah, definitely. Completely. And I think a lot of students are embracing that. Yeah, great. Robert, in your career, have you had a influential mentor or leader that you've worked with and learned a lot from? Sure. Um, there, have actually been, there have actually been many, and I could probably recite a handful of names that would be very familiar to a lot of people listening to this podcast, I'd say. Um, you know, one of the uh, one of the the folks that helped AIG turn everything around uh, was Bob Ben Moshe uh, when he took over as CEO. Um, and I'd have to say there was never uh, a more appropriate or an appropriate leader to say um, definitely Bob Ben Moshe for for folks on a podcast that they would be extremely familiar with the name and the story. Uh, but also there are two other people. Uh, first, I'd be uh, remiss not to mention. Uh, or at least not mention my father, um, who I worked for for many years. Um, he owned an automotive repair shop, and he helped instill a strong worth ec- ethic uh, in me and my brothers, um, and worked around the clock and still does doing what he loves. The second one is really outside of uh, insurance in my early non-insurance career. Uh, a mentor of mine by the name of Patricia Mighton. He worked with me as when I was in consulting, and she was the epitome of professionalism. She was great at what she did leading large scale initiatives, you know, at the time as a servant leader, which is something that is, you know, a more recent lexicon. But I look back on the way that she led and engaged her teams and her partners. Um, She taught me to treat everyone with respect, both clients and colleagues alike, and to always stay focused. And we've stayed very close over the years. And her mentorship uh, really resonates as much to me today as it did back then. And I think of her helping me as I try to mentor others. Fantastic. Thank you, Robert. We, we've had a good look back at your, at your career and also your, your present time at Transverse. But if I can ask you to now take a look forward over the next few years, how do you see the insurance industry developing? And what do you think insurance business leaders need to be doing in order to be successful? Insurance leaders will continue to try and make the customer experience, I believe, the centerpiece of their business model. I think what are the needs or the problems in the market? Uh, How can they, the insurers, help? And what are the steps they need to take to deliver value to the end consumer? I think that's going to continue to be the biggest driving force that we've seen um, both today as well as moving forward. But the biggest focus will be on the modernization of platforms and the enhanced use of artificial intelligence and intelligent process automation. It goes back to what we discussed earlier, right? There's there's an inertia, if you will, um, of the legacy insurance mindset. And I think uh, leaders need to really consider stepping out of that inertia uh, and thinking about ways that they need to continue to adopt and change. I probably feel like that's the biggest thing holding back a lot of transformation programs, especially at large carriers um, who are able to do things the way that they've done for many, many years without having to think about doing things differently. But partnerships uh, will play an important role in that as companies consider what their strategy is. You've definitely seen a big shift over the years, and we're seeing examples of traditional insurers partnering with insurtechs more than ever, and I believe that trend uh, will continue. It's obviously a clear challenge for the industry, that, that inertia that you, that you talk about relating to technology and implementation of technology. How do you see companies finding a way around that? Do you think there could be 
long-term compensation benefits that boards could introduce in order to look more long-term? Or do you, do you have any ideas on how we can go about changing that mindset? Sure. Well, I think even before you get to the compensation peaks, Nick, I think one of the most intriguing parts is attracting a lot of talent from non-insurance backgrounds. Mm. So uh, I think having a risk management background is tremendous to actually think about product and understand how to apply that to certain exposures in the market to cover, you know, issues that people might be dealing with. But at the same time, there is that piece of looking at how a business operates and works and how technology can enable that. Mm. And I think if you have an outsider's perspective, in many cases, it helps you to just shake up a lot of that inertia and pull people out of, you know, what they're considered doing day in and day out. Um, You know, as I experienced, you know, over 15 years ago, just coming in and asking a, a simple question, why? Why do we do this this way? Why are we investing in this? It just starts that conversation. And I think the more you have people without the innate of insurance or, you know, come to think about changes in the market and actually execute on those changes going forward. Yeah, completely agree. So rather than trying to completely change people's culture and people's way of thinking inside the industry, actually bring in some fresh talent and freshen up some of those boards across the industry. That's right. Really, really, really interesting, Robert. Thank you so much. We've reached the time of the show where our listeners will understand that we're now approaching the espresso round. Robert, I know you're not a coffee drinker, but are you ready for the espresso (laughs) round? I'm ready for the espresso round. Great stuff. Great stuff. The espresso round. Robert, if I could kick off by asking you, what is your favorite success quote? Well, I think not necessarily success quote per se, but when I think about often, it's more of a philosophical concept that says we should assume ignorance before malice, uh, especially when communicating with others. I think it's based on that eight manifest that is for the sake of survival. Something is a threat by default. In the current conditions that we're operating within today, I think that quote rings as true as ever. Thank you, Robert. And what do you see as the number one thing holding insurance professionals back from being more successful right now? Yeah, I think the number one thing that's holding people back, as we uh, mentioned, is just that inertia, right? It's that 100-year-old industry. It's an industry that gets complicated very fast once you start peeling back the and structures that have been built to support those. As we said, I think insurance professionals and leaders have to embrace a change mindset and not get stuck in a rut of doing the same thing over and over just because it's always been done that way. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree with that. Okay, Robert, at Transverse Insurance Group, how do you drive forward the standards of the insurance industry there? Sure. I think it's it's our approach to the market and our approach to our partners where we strive to push forward with a standard set of principles, more so than standards, uh, having more valuable and less adversarial way to engage uh, where our values are aligned. We feel like that that yields a superior program durability and profitability in the market. I think bringing that active and collaborative engagement style to maximize opportunities. Um, and as we talked about earlier, just being a very active partner uh, in all functional areas of the program cycle to enhance everyone's interests and differentiate ourselves transverse uh, from certain passive markets that simply provide paper and capacity and yeah. limited value add services. Okay, great. And what, what do you do as a company? I appreciate you've, you've only been there for a short time, but what do you do as a company to develop talent and help people reach those senior level positions? 
Sure. Well, I think it starts it starts early, um, regardless where else. Um, but what I like that we're doing already, even as a young company, is having an established internship program. Uh, this year, we have four interns supporting real-world issues uh, that we're trying to solve, and we're trying to expose them to the entire market of insurance so that they get a broad experience um, working on things that are really impacting companies today, but they're prepared to enter and think about their careers in insurance. I think in general, of course, our company as well, uh, we've committed to working with each of our staff to encourage continued learning and um, you know support involvement in various. Great. And I think that's fantastic. I think the internship program sounds sounds brilliant. Is, has that got quite a tech focus to it or has it got more of an insurance focus? How would that work? It's, it's you know, it's the way that we approached it this year was depending on the needs that we had in the company. Um, so we do have some relationships with risk management programs here in the States, at least, so that we're recruiting and talking with individuals that have an interest in the risk management field. And then we're exposing them to various areas of underwriting, risk management, reinsurance, while they're working with us for the, the 10 or so weeks that they're part of the program. Fantastic. Fantastic. Sounds like a great opportunity. Robert, if you woke up tomorrow morning with all of the knowledge and the experience that you've built up over your career, but for some reason your your company wasn't there, aside from picking up the phone and, and giving me a call, how would you go about rebuilding your career and how would you go about starting again? That's a, that's a great question, I guess. Uh, so, Nick, after my first call to you, naturally, I everything uh, that everyone should be doing, regardless of job. Uh, a job that was at risk or no job at all. Um, I'd say connected with my network and I'd discuss with them uh, what organizations were continuing to look for opportunities to streamline and scale their operating model while implementing new ways of doing business. The pace of change is moving so quickly this day, these days in insurance, where in the past insurance has always been notoriously of not just those emerging views, but practical ways you can incrementally and fundamentally change the I would be doing in that situation. It's really staying on top of the market, staying plugged into industry groups, um, connecting with my network. And I think, again, these are things that you know I encourage people to do every day of their career. I mean, managing your career is a career unto itself. Fantastic. That's, that's brilliant. Just to finish off our time today, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners and how do they go about contacting you after the show? Sure. Um, like everyone else, uh, we are online and connected much more than we ever thought we would be. Um, so connecting through LinkedIn is a great way to network, especially given the dispersed nature of the global insurance market. One thing I would stress, point of recommendation, uh, is to include a note when making an introduction to someone you might not already know. It's a surefire way to get their attention and connect with them beyond the one click. So LinkedIn is a great way. Uh, I try to stay abreast of uh, everything going on in the in the market, primarily through. Uh, the use of LinkedIn. So if someone wants to reach out, they can contact me through my profile and I'm happy to engage. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing those contact details. We'll be sure to put a link to your LinkedIn profile on our show notes. Robert, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed speaking to you and finding out about your career and, and insights that you have for our listeners. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show and I hope, hope you've enjoyed it today. Absolutely, Nick. Thanks for having me on and you take care. Thanks, Robert. And to all our insurance business leaders out there, whether you're based in the US, the UK or across the world, we thank you for listening today and we hope you enjoyed the show. 
please do leave, leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app. And please make sure that you download and subscribe to the show so you receive each one of our episodes directly into your inbox each week. Until next time, I've been Nick Hoadley and this has been the Insurance Coffee House. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.